Welcome to Event Up, the place where people enthusiastic about events stay in the know on the latest trends within the events industry. Live, hybrid, and virtual experiences. From virtual events to conferences, award galas, and everything in between. Here's your host, Amanda Ma. Hello, welcome to Event Up, the place to get the latest and greatest in event industry news, ideas, and topics. In this episode, we'll be discussing how to create your own brand and how you can share your voice to the world. Today, I'm joined by Courtney Stanley, keynote speaker, event MC, and career coach. Courtney Stanley is recognized globally as an award-winning changemaker, keynote speaker, and event MC and an acclaimed creator of the Woman Inspire podcast, Dare to Interrupt. Courtney has spent 10 years helping professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations engage in game-changing, impactful conversations that empower individuals to tap into their true potential, improve team and culture dynamics, and drive meaningful change. Courtney is the youngest member to have ever been elected to Meeting Professional International, International Board Director. She has been recognized by MPI Meetings Today, the Association for Women in Events, MeetingsNet, and other leading organizations as one of the industry's most impactful trailblazers. Courtney serves on the Events Industry Sexual Harassment Task Force, MPI's Women Advisory Board, is a Meetings Mean Business Ambassador, and is the co-founder of the award-winning movement, Hashtag Meetings 2. Welcome to our podcast, Courtney. Hi, Amanda. Thanks so much for having me. That was quite, that's a lot of accomplishments. <laughs> I know. It's, um, I, I think it's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Especially Meetings Mean Business. That's always hard for me to say for some reason. But yes, quite the intro. Thank you, Amanda. This is wonderful. We're so excited to have you on our podcast today. Can you share a little bit about yourself and how you got into this industry? I would be more than happy to. So I actually studied hospitality, international tourism, and event management in university. So I stepped into the industry with the intention of being a planner. And the first couple roles that I played in in the industry were in those planning roles. So I actually interned with the Country Music Association as one of their special projects event interns. And that was really, really fun and a great way to just kind of see the glitzy glam side of the industry. Um, I also worked for a corporate events agency as one of their event planners on staff and got to experience a lot of different types of corporate events, which was also a really great experience. I realized though, after, after a couple of years that planning wasn't necessarily my greatest passion. I loved, you know, creating experiences that were more intimate for family, friends, more social gatherings, but it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do full time. But what I realized that I had begun to really, you know, just be more passionate about was more of the marketing side of things and the PR, the creating a, a really cool, impactful brand that could tell an interesting and meaningful story. So I switched over into more of the marketing side of things. And I worked for an event technology company for a few years, working in PR and brand exposure and event marketing strategy. 
Um, and then I actually worked in politics for a few years. That's a part of my story that a lot of people aren't aware of because it's not necessarily directly tied to our community, but it was a really great opportunity for me to learn about community building and creating campaigns that were impactful and got people really excited to take action. So throughout all of those different experiences that I had in my career, I also got really into speaking. So from day one, I think it was the it was the first conference I attended. It was one of MPI's conferences. I raised my hand to speak and that kicked off years of speaking on the side. And that side hustle eventually grew into speaking full time, emceeing, podcasting, writing for industry publications. And eventually I left my most recent full-time job and decided to be a full-time entrepreneur, which was at the beginning of 2020. And it's been an adventure since then. That's wonderful. And I know that's, you know, 2020 is when we met. And ever since then, it's kind of really snowball in terms of how we work together. And you're just such a professional and always Dressed to the night. So I always feel like I need to step up my, you know, game when I talk to you. <laughs> this is great. And I love the experiences you share. You're right. I didn't even know you had a political background. So like it all makes sense to me now in terms of like what you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. And you and I also talked about we're huge on like woman empowerment. So I kind of want to dive into a little bit of that now. What are some best practices that you have for empowering ambitious professionals? to amplify their own worth and then the worth of others? That's such a great question, Amanda. And that's this is a conversation that I am super passionate about because there have been times in my life, specifically in my career, in my professional world, where I have struggled with a lack of confidence and I've struggled with just really believing in my value. And those types of experiences and those types of feelings really came from moments of failure. So, you know, in a couple of the jobs that I had more at the beginning of my career, one, I was let go, one, I was fired, and they were for different reasons. There's always so many shades of gray and so much context that is included when something like that happens. But the outcome of those two experiences, especially as somebody who takes a lot of pride in being a professional and really giving 100% and doing my best, a lot of the worth that I had was tied to the work that I did. So when those situations happened and I lost my job, not once, but twice, it really caused me to take a step back and wonder, you know, what value am I bringing to the table why can't somebody else see that value? And I started to really question my own worth. So over the years, as I have worked for other people and really great leaders, and also now I've been working for myself for almost two years, I really believe that your worth is not defined by your work first and foremost. But I also think it's really important to understand what you do believe defines your worth. So when I work with people, you know, ambitious professionals or other individuals to think about their own worth and to amplify the worth of others, I encourage them to look inside first. So ask yourself the question, what are the things in my life that I believe defines my worth? And are those things actually valid? And then looking outside of yourself, looking at your teams, looking at your family members, your friends, 
in order to amplify the worth of others, you have to help them see themselves in the best light possible. So making opportunities or creating experiences for them to feel heard or to feel seen or to feel included, that helps people remember that they they are very valuable assets in conversations and in certain environments. So those are a couple of, of strategies and pieces of advice that I would give people to re-identify with their own worth and also amplify the worth of others. I love that. That's truly some wisdom there. <laughs> Always <laughs> reflect in for inward first and then outwardly, right? I think that's, those are some so great. And I know you know, you kind of mentioned you're also the host of the Dare to Interrupt podcast, which brings together industry professionals who shed light on important topics facing women today, from imposter syndrome to sexual harassment to negotiating pay, and the list goes on. What are some recent trends that you're seeing, especially, you know, we're just coming out of the pandemic too, or still in it, actually? Yeah, I know I always say that to Amanda. I'm like, oh, we're out of the pandemic, but actually we're, no, we're definitely still in it, but making progress, which is a good thing. Um, so let me, let me back up and answer this question with a little bit of context. So the podcast that I created and that I currently host, which is in partnership with Meetings Today, I created this podcast, Dare to Interrupt, because it's a well-known experience that far too many women have where we are interrupted in conversations, whether it's a networking conversation, whether it's an, in a boardroom and we're trying to share ideas. There have been so many different, um, so many different pieces of advice and words of wisdom for women to find their way and navigate their way through conversations to either avoid being interrupted or to confront the interrupter or to help somebody else who's consistently being interrupted. So that was the concept behind this podcast. And really the value in this podcast was to provide women an opportunity where they would not be interrupted. So it's an open space for them to share their ideas, their stories, their wisdom with an audience that's really hungry for that mentorship from executive or inspiring women. So in this particular podcast, I've had some really incredible conversations with women over the past two years. Um, and I think as the pandemic has really changed how we interact with each other, a lot of the, the types of challenges that have come to the forefront for women specifically have been things like mental health, burnout, really being able to balance roles that have now become blended. So being a mom at home, but also running a business or trying to work for somebody else at home and then also being responsible to somehow be an educator or their school teacher and also a caretaker. Um, I think what we're seeing in the events industry is, of course, it's a well-known fact that many, many, many people lost their jobs during the pandemic within the hospitality and events industry. But a lot of the people who lost their jobs are not planning to return to the industry. And a lot of those people are women. And this has happened for a number of different reasons. But what we also learned in the pandemic is that a lot of the weight of the burden of the pandemic fell to women's shoulders, especially if they're operating as a family structure at home. So some of the conversations, and I would say most of the conversations I've been having with women have mostly revolved around making sure that mental health is a priority, also leaning on people for support when you need it, and trying to reconfigure who they want to be in their career and 
which employers are going to actually serve their needs as women in the workforce. That's wonderful. I think there's so much, you know, especially like even within our industry right now, I'm actually taking a course through eCornell on women leadership. And one of our first assignment is they actually ask us to take a personality test. And then from there, they have you kind of dissect it even more. And I've always taken personality tests. I'm like fascinated by that because I do believe in the different personality, right? But they teach you also how to negotiate depending on the different personality. And, you know, but women, it's true. Some women do have trouble speaking up. You know, I sat on a few boards and a lot of time it's men heavy and I'm one of the fewer women. So what I do for myself is one, I always make sure I'm prepared Two, when I do attend the board meeting, I will always voice my opinion. I never want to walk away from the meeting and not share any of my thoughts, you know, and just be brave enough to do it. Right. I would say when I was younger, I'll be like thinking in my head, like, oh, let me marinate that question, you know, like 10 times before I actually say it. Now I just say it. <laughs> right. But it's just the fact that you know, like it has value. So people know like, oh, wow, she has value when she comes, regardless I'm a woman or not. It's just as a human being. Absolutely, Amanda. And that actually reminds me of one of the women that I interviewed on the podcast, Elizabeth Diana, who is the VP of communications for Instagram. And one of the, we were talking about communication and that fear of speaking up that a lot of women struggle with. And her best advice was the same as yours. It was just speak speak, just get yourself in the conversation, share your ideas. They don't have to be perfect, but get your voice included in that conversation. And if you make a mistake, if you say something that maybe you didn't mean to say, or you, it came out the wrong way, it's okay. We're all human beings. You can come back the next day and say something else to try to continue the conversation the way that you want it to go. But her advice was similar. It was just get your voice in that room and don't leave until you share those thoughts. Yeah. So for those of you that are listening in leadership role or even non-leadership role, just, you know, practice that. I, I definitely think it's like practicing it makes it that much easier. So it becomes very natural. You're not forced to say it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And as far as what you were saying about during the pandemic, you know, a lot of women, because I have two kids myself and I was joking with one of my friends. I was like, oh, being a teacher was so fun for a week. <laughs> when the pandemic first hit and school shut down, I was like, oh, so fun. Yeah, I've put together curriculum. You know, I'm a planner. I could do this after a week or five days. I was like, okay, when is school coming back again? Right. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful and lucky in the aspect that my partner, my husband is very supportive and he doesn't see me just like as the woman, like I'm just solely taking care of children. We really see it as like we do it together. Mm -hmm. You know, so something he has meeting. And sometimes I have meetings, I tend to have more meetings. So he probably has to watch the kids a little bit more and just keep them quiet, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's like a balancing act, you know, yeah. and it's true. And a lot of women feel guilty when they have kids, they can't spend time with them, but I think it's just a balance, right? And I don't want to call it balance. I call it sequencing because mm -hmm. I don't believe that we're in balance. I believe like, okay, this is my time. Like this is my busy month. And then next month I'm going to spend more time with my kids. Yeah. Right. And then so that I kind of alleviate that stress, like, okay, I can't do it all, you know, and also just really looking at what makes sense for you in terms of your time. So you don't overcommit yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. And that's something that I think I've definitely learned with time is saying yes, can be a really powerful way to 
get yourself in a room that you want to get into and have those conversations. But saying no can also help you get into the right doors and the right rooms because you have more capacity. So I think, yes, overcommitting yourself is definitely something that we struggle with on a daily basis. And I also think, you know, for people who are people pleasers, and I have definitely been a people pleaser in certain situations, it's really difficult to put yourself first and to really prioritize what's important to you and how you want to actually spend your time. But that's how you're able to create the life that you really want is by setting boundaries and saying yes and no when it counts and knowing what's best for you and your family. Yeah, so true. So true. So switching gears a little bit, how important is it for people to create a brand for themselves? So important. It's so, so important to have your own brand. So a lot of times, if you, even if you go on LinkedIn and you're looking at somebody's LinkedIn profile, you'll see that they have everything about the company that they work for and really not a whole lot about themselves. So it's almost like it's a pitch for a company. But if there's anything that we learned over this past you know, year and a half, almost two years during the pandemic, it's that having a job is not always a sure thing. So you have to be responsible for who you are as an individual. That way you're always growing your own network outside of the company that you work for. And it's great to be attached to a company, especially if you love who you're working for, or you align with the values that, that they also have. But people need to know who you are as an individual so that if circumstances change, you already have yourself set up with a really great network, a really great reputation and opportunities that you may have an easier time getting access to. Um, it's also important if you're ever interested in starting your own business. So I would say that, thank goodness, I side hustled for eight years before going off on my own because it gave me an opportunity to really make a name for myself. And when I decided that I wanted to become an entrepreneur and work for myself full time, I already had a recognizable brand that people felt comfortable with, they felt good about, and that led to more business down the road, especially during tough times like the pandemic. So it's really, really important for every single person here to not just be aware that you have a brand, because we all do, whether we work on it or not, but to refine it and make sure that it is actually an authentic brand that you feel proud of and that you know very, very well. Great. And then, so I guess tagging onto that, what advice will you give to people looking to build a killer brand about themselves? So this actually comes back to a little bit of the conversation that we had before, Amanda, where you were talking about your love of personality assessments and learning more about yourself. The most important part of building a killer brand is knowing who you are. If you don't know who you are, who you serve, what you stand for, the direction that you're moving, if that's not clear to you, it's not going to be clear to anybody else. So the first step in creating a killer brand is getting to know yourself, doing assessments like the Enneagram or the StrengthsFinder or Myers-Briggs or anything like that, 16 personalities. There's so many to choose from these days. Doing those assessments takes hardly any time at all, but it provides you with the foundation for what your strengths are, what your core motivators are, your core fears are, your core desires are, and it starts to help you paint that picture of what makes you you. It's also really helpful to ask for insight. So actually a friend of mine, Dahlia Elgazar, who's also, she's an industry rock star in the events world. 
she suggested when I was first starting my company that I reach out to my network and create a little survey in Google Forms, keep it super simple, and just ask a series of questions about other people's perception about me. So when you think of me, what color comes to mind? Or what is it that you think I'm really, really good at? Or if you were to hire me, what would you hire me for? So asking those guiding questions to better understand how the world perceives you allows you an opportunity to refine your brand. So that way you are saying, you're creating the messages that you want your audience to hear and you hopefully will resonate with your audience in a way that's meaningful and valuable and comes back to you full circle. I love what you said about be yourself, you know, because it's true. One of my favorite quote is be yourself because everybody else is taken by Oscar yes. Wilde. And I think especially when you say the authentic self, because mm -hmm. a lot of people try to be someone else or they say, oh, that's what's trending right now. So let me be that. Yes. Right? But it's really hard <laughs> because that's not your natural self. And mm -hmm. then I think one of the best compliments I received in the past was like, Amanda, you're the same, no matter it's personal or professionally, like you don't switch gear. I'm like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I just have time to be one. Like it's already so busy. Yeah. You know? But apparently that's the thing. Like there's some people that are one way at work and one way personal. So, you know, just something to take it all in and think about those things yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I love that quote, Amanda. And I think I think it's, there's so much truth behind it. And I mean, there's so much pressure to show up and be a certain way, especially, you know, on social media and platforms like that, where, you know, at first glance, it looks like everybody has it all together all the time and everybody's killing it and everybody's rich all of a sudden. And it just creates such a perception that in most cases is not reality. So focusing more on who you are and showing up in a way that feels natural and feels authentic to you not only alleviates that pressure to be somebody else or show up a certain way, but it also attracts the right people to you. So if you are attracting people that maybe aren't your best clients or that, you know, maybe you have some people in your life that aren't necessarily the best fit for your growth moving forward, look at how you're showing up and are you putting out what you would want to come back? Those are great advice, Courtney. What top, I know you do a lot of speaking engagement. You're a keynote at multiple places. So what are topics that you enjoy speaking on the most? So I think the topic that I enjoy speaking on the most is how to turn pain or painful experiences into purpose and power. So I, I definitely believe, and looking at the experiences that I've had in my life, whether they've been personal or they've been professional, I believe that there are always lessons to be learned from any experience, whether it's good or bad. But I also believe that there are opportunities of growth in times of challenge and discomfort that are so much greater than just kind of the everyday mundane activity. I think we're more challenged. I think that our wisdom develops more when we're pushed and when we face adversity. So one of my favorite topics is teaching people or teaching an audience how to actually transform painful experiences into something that's more purposeful, that can impact your community in a really meaningful way, and that powerfully propels you into the next chapter of your life. I love that. You know, they're definitely, especially in the event industry, right? 
you, you've been a planner before. There are moments when it's super stressful. Yes. And then it's like smooth sailing, super stressful. And most people that are in this industry, they kind of thrive on that stress. And I would say over the years, you're right. They, all the stress or all these like experiences become your strength, right? Mm-hmm. And then what I would say when I look back 10 years ago, what was stressed me out or what was a challenge now is so, so small. Right. And now I'm on to like bigger challenge, but all, but because I had those experiences now, that's why they become small or easier mm-hmm. right? because you know how to tackle it. You know how to address them. You know, so I think for the younger audience or who are just embarking on the event professional path to just take it step by step, right? Take all the learning in, because like I said, those will all become your strengths in the future. Yep. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, as our friend That's Kelly right. Clarkson said. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then how about, so how do you deal with criticism? Because, you know, I, I think some people really, and I see that too, and some people just shut down while others kind of receive it really well. And especially when it's coming from your audience or from a supervisor, how do you kind of deal with that, Courtney? Well, I think if feedback comes in a way that is constructive, where there is an opportunity for you to maybe become aware of something that could make you better as a professional, as a person, as a teammate, I think it's your opportunity to embrace that feedback and to do what you can to listen with an open heart and try to improve in ways that you think would be you know, beneficial to you. Um, I will also say that there, there's a little expression that I feel like I always say to my speaker friends, especially with audience feedback, and that's there's always one. There's always one. It doesn't matter what you talk about, what audience it's in front of. When you get that feedback form, you get this pit at the in your stomach because you know that there's always one. There's going to be one comment that just kind of knocks you off your you know happy horse for the day, and so you have to kind of go into creating any sort of content or even just putting yourself out there and using your voice. You know that there's going to be a critic in the audience, so you have to prepare for those moments and take it with a grain of salt. So I think that's also something that comes with putting yourself out there over and over and over again. Is yes you get more comfortable and you get more confident the more that you put yourself out there, but your skin also gets a little bit thicker. So when, if somebody makes comments about the outfit that you're wearing in their feedback survey, which I have received before, you're able to just kind of brush it off, roll your eyes and say, there's always one and just keep it moving. That's so true. Oh my God. That's like even events, no matter how perfect you make it, there's always that one attendee in the survey that says, you know, it was really hot that day, or it was, you know, I didn't think it was super, whatever that comment is. And literally this happened at an event before this one lady came up and she was complaining and she's like, it's so hot, you know, and our method is always, we borrow from Starbucks, the latte method, we listen, we acknowledge. And it's like, and I was like, you're, you're right. It is very hot as we're both sweating, you know, and then, but really there's nothing I can do about it other than, oh, have you checked out our ice? you know, our ice cold drinks over there or the lounge area under the umbrella, right? And kind of just joking with her like, hey, Corny, if I could control the weather, I'd be charging a lot more. Right. (laughs) She cracked up. She's like, oh, you're one funny lady. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah, go into the shade, go into the shade. But people just make these comments and you're right. You have to develop a thicker skin, but also if it's constructive, it actually helps you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I had in my professional journey where someone told me like, Amanda, you're so friendly. 
but I never knew that could be taken as something bad. But they were yeah. saying, you're so friendly. How can you help me negotiate what I want? See? And I'm so grateful for that comment because I'm like, I am friendly, <laughs> right? And he's like, no, that's not what I meant. And then I was like, can you elaborate more, right? And I, I can tell at the time I was probably like, what's wrong with that? But then as he explained, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for that comment because now I'm more firm and I'm so friendly. But when I need, you know, so mm-hmm. I think it's having that balance, right? I think so too, Amanda. And I think it's also important to note that you don't have to accept feedback as truth. So when somebody gives you feedback and it doesn't feel right to you, yes, first, always check your ego, do a little, you know, assessment, see if there could possibly be some truth behind it or ask yourself, you know, from their perspective, why, why could they have possibly seen me in this light or, you know, do some self-awareness checks. But if they don't pass those checks and it's not somebody that necessarily has very much insight into what you're doing or who you are, and they've just started to kind of give you that feedback and it just doesn't resonate with you and it doesn't feel right. It's also okay to acknowledge that and say, you know, I appreciate your feedback, but I don't agree. Or you can just take it and leave it. And you can just walk away from the conversation, obviously at the end of the conversation, not mid conversation, but walk away knowing that you probably know yourself a little bit better than maybe this particular person does. So I think feedback also comes with that opportunity for you to really decide whether it's coming from somebody that you really trust or that you respect, or that is in a place that you're looking to get to and learn more about. So I think it's okay to feed, to go through that and wade through the feedback and decide what's best for you too. So great. And so you've done a lot of professional speaking. If, you know, someone wants to start and do more speaking engagement or want to be a professional speaker, how do they go about doing something like that? I love this question. And I happen to know that there are so many people that want to get into speaking that haven't for one reason or another. So, I mean, I think my response to this is pretty simple. It's just raise your hand, apply to speak at an industry conference and just start to test the waters. See if there are things that really light you up that you're super passionate about, that you have knowledge about or expertise about that would offer value to an audience. Or if you're creative, come up with something completely new and blow your your people's minds that are sitting there in that room. But the best way to get into speaking is just to start actually trying it. I know people will try out certain clubs like Toastmasters, or, you know, maybe they'll try improv or stand up or something like that to express that desire to speak in a more creative or a different way. And that's great too. But some of the things that hold people back is that A, they don't know where they can actually speak. And I'm telling you, industry conferences are a fantastic place to just kind of dip your toe in the water. Or B, they have a fear of public speaking that they would like to overcome. And that comes with practice. You have to be able to try, try again until you get more comfortable with it. But speaking is super fun. It doesn't have to be for everybody. But if you're interested, I would say raise your hand and submit an application to speak at one of your local or industry events. Wonderful advice. I'm actually part of Toastmaster myself. Awesome. And the practice is always because you know they, they have that they have the impromptu questions and you need to be able to think fast on your feet. It's not always just, you know, when you're speaking, right? There's also the QA. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to answer those questions and it just takes practice. 
right? And then being in front of a lot of people and yep. not worrying about what they look like or how they judge you. Mm-hmm. And you're just doing your, your magic. And for people who are uncomfortable talking about themselves, how will you really advise them to shine a light on their brand? So I also have friends who've asked me that question because they know that I'm a brand freak. And I think it's really, really critical to your career progression to have visibility, visibility of your work, of your brand, of what you're passionate about. You want people to be seeing what you're up to and what you're passionate about so that they think of you when opportunities arise, or they're able to refer you to people as connections, as opportunities for jobs or business or whatever it may be. So I have had friends tell me, you know, I just, I don't like talking about myself. It makes me feel like I'm bragging. And this specifically comes from my girlfriends, from my female friends who feel like they are being egotistical or that they're not being humble enough when they talk about themselves. So specifically when creating content, so let's say, you know, you want to talk about what you're doing for work or you started a new business or something like that. Interview other people, shine a light on other people where you're in a conversation where people can get to know you, you can talk about what you love to do, but you're also focused on lifting somebody else up in that conversation. So this strategy is more from the lens of servant leadership, which I'm a huge fan of. It's the concept or the idea that you rise by lifting others. When you shine a light on other people, you also have a light that shines on you and your brand. So I would highly encourage you to start a blog series where you interview people or start a podcast or just feature somebody on LinkedIn. I'll do a uh, women to watch social media post every week where I shine a light on a woman that has really inspired me in my network. Things like that help people to start to curate a perception of who you are and what you do, but you're also rising by pulling somebody else up with you and shining a light on them. So that would be my advice to anybody who feels just a little bit uncomfortable talking about themselves. And that's such a great book, Servant Leadership. So if mm-hmm. you guys haven't read that book, definitely go to Amazon, buy it. <laughs> it's so great. So many great key takeaways today, Courtney. So just three of my favorite highlights you know, take a survey of how other people perceive you. I love that. I don't know, just just went straight to the point. Two, be yourself, be your authentic self. And then three, if you're interested in speaking, raise your hand and get involved with your local chapter and just start testing the water and practice. You know, it gets easier and easier. So Courtney, what's the best way for our audience to get in touch with you? Well, you can check me out on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And my handle is at Courtney on stage. You can also find me on LinkedIn. To be honest, I think I'm most active on LinkedIn. I love that platform. I'm such a nerd for them. So you can find me just Courtney Stanley, easy to find on LinkedIn. You can also check out my website where you can learn more about my speaking, emceeing, and coaching services, which is Courtney-Stanley.com. And if you want to subscribe to my newsletter, it's super easy to do that for my website too. And if you do that, I will send you a little love note every Friday. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Courtney, for joining us today. And for those of you that are tuning in, if you have any question or are interested in working with Courtney, please reach out to her. First-hand experience working with Courtney. She's fantastic, very professional, always bring her A-game to the table and no matter what she does. So, you know, that's her brand, right? So even 
I think when someone else asks for this type of work or this type of talent, first one that comes to mind is Courtney. So that's definitely the brand that you have built for yourself. So thank you for spending your time with us today on this event of podcast. Thank you, Amanda. It was my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode of Event Up. If your company is looking to level up your event experience, we are your solution. We do all the work. You take all the credit. Give us a call. Don't forget to share and subscribe for more episodes. And if you enjoy our podcast today, kindly share with your network. We look forward to chatting. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time on Event Up.